Good morning, everybody. And for those of you here and viewing online, welcome. I am Naya Swami Maria, and this is Naya Swami Ananta. And it's a joy to be with you all and share this Sunday service. So today's reading, it's uh, from the rays of one light, of the one light, and these are weekly commentaries from the Bible in Bhagavad Gita. Uh, this is written by Swami Kriyananda. Uh, <clears throat> and this is In Surrender Lies Victory. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your death, deathless self within. And the following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. A case might be made for surrender as a path to victory in worldly conflicts, the way of passive resistance, for example, in preference to armed resistance. But our point here concerns a higher kind of surrender, the surrender of our deluded, egoic will to the wise and almighty will of God. Human will is, as Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, guided by whims. <clears throat> Let's see. Human will is, as Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, guided by whims and limited understanding. The divine will is in harmony with every level of reality. Though the divine will will sometimes appear to us at first to be wrong, it proves always eventually to be for our highest good. Human will is inconsistent. It leads us one day to success, another to disaster. The divine will, when we surrender to it completely, though it is not always easy to do so, always brings us deep inner peace and joy in the end. Jesus Christ demonstrated this perfect surrender to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was captured and imprisoned, preparatory to his crucifixion. He went apart from the others to pray and asked them to pray also. But when he returned to them, he found them asleep. Out of his love for them, he excused them, saying, the, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then urged them, saying, watch and pray. Their weakness in those circumstances was particularly sad and the disciples themselves must have regretted it bitterly later on. We all know the symptoms of human weakness, though we may excuse them in ourselves, saying, well, after all, I'm only human. But what are the signs of true strength? We find in all cases that these are the fruit of a life wholly surrendered to God. The Bhagavad Gita lists these signs in the 13th chapter. Humbleness, 
truthfulness, and harmlessness, patience and honor, reverence for the wise, purity, constancy, control of self, contempt for sense delights, self-sacrifice, perception of the certainty of ill in birth, old age, and frail mortality, disease, the ego's suffering, and sin, detachment, lightly holding thoughts of home, children, and wife, those ties which bind most men, an ever-tranquil heart, heedless of good or adverse fortune, with the will upraised to worship me alone unceasingly, loving deep solitude and shunning noise of foolish crowds, calm focus on the self perceived within and in infinity. These qualities reveal true wisdom, Prince. All that is otherwise is ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh. also like to welcome you all. For those of you who don't know, we've been having a Kriya Bon retreat here for three days. So if the vibration seems especially Sotwick, that's the explanation. Uh, I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity a passage entitled, Let Me Feel That Thou and I Are One. When the sparks of cosmic creation flew from under thy crucible of love, I danced with all the lights that heralded the coming of myriad worlds. I am a little spark of thy joyous cosmic fire. O thou son of life, as thy nectar poured into the little cups of human minds, filled with molten liquid of vital sparks, they thought to contain thy golden infinity in the smallness of their human feelings. In each fragile, undulating mirror of human flesh, I see reflected thy restless dance of omnipresent power. In the lambent waters of life, I behold thy ever steady, almighty life. Teach me, Christ-like, by the power of concentration to still the restless storms of desire raging on the lake of my mind. Stilling those waves, I lovingly behold thy unruffled face of cosmic stillness. Cause the little wave of my life to subside, that thy consciousness in me spread out to become thine own vastness. Let me feel my heart throbbing in thy breast, my feet moving with thy energy, thy breath breathing through mine. 
thy energy actively moving my arms, thy thoughts weaving all the thoughts in my brain. When I cry, thy soft sigh within me wakens me to thy joy. In thy playfulness, little bubble visions of thy creation float dancingly in the chamber of my dreams, which manifest in my sleep of delusion. Thy meteoric will courses through the skies of my own willpower. Make me feel that it is thou who art I. O make me thyself, that I behold my little bubble of self ever floating in thee. Good idea? (laughs) We're addressing this idea of surrender But uh, going to the reading, let's be clear that the only thing that needs surrendering is the ego. Um, The life of a devotee is not one of laying down arms. We've spent the last three days sharpening our skills with first Kriya, second Kriya, third Kriya, Mahamudra, Jyoti Mudra, the techniques of meditation. So we're we're ready for the battle of self-realization but the part of our consciousness that we do want to and need to surrender is the ego. Every part of our lives that is uncomfortable and causes us pain originates in the ego. If we could live this whisper from eternity, if we could or when we do live this passage from whispers, there is no pain. There is no suffering. There is no frustration. There is no, darn it, I wish this was different. It's not different in reality, but the movie, this film that we're watching of duality, playing us as the ego is the cause of all of our suffering because our soul remembers this is not the right movie. This is not right. There should not be this world that we look around because we see suffering, ridiculous human behavior, wars, imprisonment of innocent people, Illnesses, suffering, accidents, rude behavior, fighting among religions. Huh? What's this about? This is all wrong. And it's all wrong because of the ego. It's all wrong because of delusion. And it's all wrong because of Maya. And what Maya does, what the ego does, it's, you know, it's really close to being good. It's just that just as this reading said, we put the little self in front of the big self. And we want the movie to be written according to the little self. We want the script to say that we were elected, that we're the CEO, that we get the whatever it is that you desire. But what do you really desire? God alone. God alone, God alone, got it? God alone, (laughs) okay. Then what are we doing with all this stuff and this, we need, our country needs more territory or our, 
I need a bigger house. There's nothing wrong with a big house. Don't get me wrong. Because anything that we need, God will give to us. God does give to us. But we keep identifying I, me, mine. And we've got to surrender that. We've got to let go of that. As we do, we realize the freedom. We realize the infinite joy, enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy. You can't even imagine how much fun it is not to have all your worries and troubles and desires because the masters have that. And yet, what did Christ do? So the masters give us this example how to behave. What did Jesus do? Okay, he knows he's going to be crucified. He told them, three days, destroy the temple, I'll rebuild it, no problem. But on the night after the Last Supper, he goes to Gethsemane and he prays. And what does he pray? Father, if you will, could I make a script suggestion here? <laughs> how about we don't do this stuff? You know, how about we just go fast forward to Saturday and we just skip all this? And, but what does he pray? Not my will, but thine be done. Wow, is that a good prayer? We can use that. We can really use that. Because every point of uncomfortableness and suffering in your life and everyone's life, my life, comes from just the ego getting in there just a little bit. Oh, I wish Swami didn't do that. Gosh, I wish Master's teaching had this. <laughs> I wish this, I wish that, I wish that. Why can't I be Jotish? Because <laughs> you're not Jotish. <laughs> He's Jotish. You're you. You're a spark of the infinite. You're this whisper from eternity. You're perfect as you are. And the only problem is there's this little screen and we just got to get rid of it. Where is that screen? It's in the deep spine. It's the little samskars, the little vrittis. It's all of the things we've been talking about for three days. Well, it's not just three days. We talk, we talk about it all the time because it's the source of all our problems. Is the ego precluding the light of God from shining out, precluding us from realizing how close the guru is to us, precluding the realization that Master is with you in your heart all the time. The consciousness that Yogananda had, the consciousness that Christ had, and the Buddha, all of them, it's there in your heart. And you've just got to surrender that screen of ego and realize you're the self, capital S. So Jesus prays. I'll tell you a little story about my grandma. Uh, my grandma was an Irish immigrant to the United States, and she raised five kids and lived in San Francisco. Her husband died when the kids were teenagers, and she went on. But my grandma had a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And she used to pray uh, every night and every morning uh, to Jesus. And that was, that was the picture, her picture because she's a single mom with five kids, and, and she's dirt poor. But so one time as a little boy, I went up there. My grandma lived upstairs. 
in grandma's house, of course. It's where all grandmas live. And uh, I, I walked around the corner and I saw the picture. Now grandma wasn't in, the, in at that moment, but what I could feel was the devotion. It was coming out of the room. And I, real, I asked my dad later, is that where grandma prays? And he goes, yeah, that's where grandma prays. She always prayed there? Yeah. And when you were a little kid? Yeah. And I just could feel the devotion. Christ gave us the teachings. Don't forget, he was sort of play acting. <laughs> I mean, he knew what was happening. He knew what was going to happen Friday. And he knew what was going to happen Sunday. <laughs> and he was never in the drama, but he was doing it because he's our guru, one of our gurus. And he's trying to show us, Father, not my will, but thine be done. So how do you get rid of all the suffering in your life? Just look for the little place where the ego is causing you discomfort and eliminate it. Let go of it. Let go of the little self and be the big self. Is it surrender so we don't have to do anything? So they take Jesus to the Sanhedrin and everyone goes, oh, well, that's the way it goes. No. Jesus doesn't say anything. But he asked Nicodemus, and Joseph of Arimathea to speak for him. And they do, because they're disciples. And they say, okay, the surrender for me is to fight for Jesus. What if he really is the Messiah? You know, everyone's shocked, because they don't want to let go of surrender their ego to the fact that they're dead wrong. <laughs> when Jesus, they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Peter cuts off the guard's ear. Jesus takes the ear and puts it back on. Hmm, maybe this isn't the guy we should arrest. <laughs> it works. Ooh, good. But they can't let go of their ego and say, well, maybe this is the wrong guy. Maybe we're making a mistake. Then he goes to Pontius Pilate. What happens again? Pontius Pilate, you know, his, Pontius Pilate's wife had a dream that said, don't go against Jesus. You know, this, this man is, he's sacred. And of course, husbands don't listen to their wise wives. He goes, no, no, no. But he did. Pontius Pilate did. He looked at Christ. He asked him some questions. And Christ said, all who know the truth hear my voice. And Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? He could feel it. But he didn't have the surrender of the ego to say, oh, I'm doing the wrong thing. So what does he do? He washes his hands. I, I don't have anything to do with this. That's not surrender. <laughs> That's copping out is what that is. But... Anyway, it has to go forward. And then Christ, he fulfills the will of God. He gives up his life. <laughs> Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Uh, no ego. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then Easter. And that's our fate too. Because when you let go of the ego, when you surrender the ego, what do you have? You have bliss. You have Christ consciousness. You are one with the guru. That's why they're masters, because they've let go of the ego. They have no ego. We know how Christ died. I'm going to tell you how Krishna died. I guess a lot of you know how Krishna died, but anyway. We're getting to the end of the Mahabharata. We've already won the war. Pandavas are in charge of the kingdom. Everything's going good. And Krishna says, you know what? My work is done. It's time for me to go. 
But he has one more mission. He wants to talk to Arjuna. He wants to tell Arjuna, I'm going. And so he does. In a dream, he goes to Arjuna. And Arjuna's there. So Arjuna and Krishna, Master and Babaji, hmm, we know these guys. Same story, isn't it? And Babaji, Krishna, comes in a dream to Arjuna. And he says, Arjuna, do you remember after the war when I told you to get off your chariot and it burst into flames? And Arjuna remembers that. I'm not going to go into the whole story because um, it's a long book. But anyway, it's a great book. Uh, anyway, he says, no, the chariot had no longer, was no longer needed. And so Arjuna got off his chariot that he won the war in and it burst into flames, and it dissolved into nothingness. And Krishna said, Arjuna, you remember that? And Arjuna's like, yeah, Babaji, Krishna, I, re I remember that. And Krishna said, you know, it's the same with people. When the work's done, you just go. Because this ego isn't the reality. The soul identified with the body is not the reality. That's the ego. The soul's eternal, the soul's part of God. So it's time to go. And Arjuna's like, what are you saying? And Krishna goes, you'll understand tomorrow. So Arjuna's like, okay. So he goes to sleep. Krishna goes off in the forest, and he lays down on the ground. And this hunter comes along. And the hunter thinks it's a deer. So he shoots the foot of Krishna. And the only part of Krishna that was ever susceptible to human injury was the bottom, the soles of his feet, the bottom of his feet. That's a whole other story. I don't have time for it. Stick with me. Let's go forward. <laughs> so Krishna is laying there. And the arrow from the hunter kills him. And then he realizes, oh, my God, I just shot the supreme personality of Godhead. You know, he starts the guilt. You know, he's like, oh, no, oh, no. This is going to be years of therapy to get over this. <laughs> but Krishna is dying. And so the, the hunter's like, he tries to nurse him back. He says, oh, my God. Lord, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to. And Krishna says, no, my friend, don't you see? I needed a reason to go. And you're a hunter. And this is the will of God. And this is how I can leave the body, because I have to leave now. I'm done. I've done my work. And so he said, you, hunter, disciple, Jayla, will come with me into the light. You come with me, too. And so he's good with it. It's all good. It so much reminded me of the end of Kriyananda's life. Because we got to the end of Kriyananda's life, and we all knew it's covered. He had written all the books he needed to write, given all the talks, given everyone the instruction, given all the leaders of the community at the time instructions on how to keep Ananda going forward. He had tagged some of the young next wave people that were coming, but he, other news others were coming. He gave us instruction, basically, I'm done. I'm going to go. Whew. Gone. Krishna was gone. And Arjuna, of course, the next day, like, oh, I got it. When you're done with the body, when you're done with the ego, what are you? You're freeing God. 
Krishna had to go back to the realm of light. Babaji came, luckily, thanks to Madaji. <laughs> he gets to stay. You remember that discussion? Babaji's like, well, it doesn't really matter if I have a body or not, so I'm thinking of going home <laughs> with your 1880 or whatever year it was uh, world. And Madaji said, you know, Babaji, if it doesn't matter if you stay or leave, why don't you stay? <laughs> And the, Babaji says, okay, it is the divine will speaking through you. The divine will speaking through you. Father, not my will, but thine be done. We can do it. We can let go of the ego. We can meditate, and bit by bit, and even when you have an uncomfortable day, situation, try to look and see, where is this coming from? Somehow you're the screen of delusion of the ego has gotten you to make this feel uncomfortable when it's not uncomfortable in God. Swamiji was always calm. It, when uh, We gave him terrible news sometimes. You know, we, we phoned him in Hawaii and said, oh, the community burned down. Said, oh, okay, well, I guess I should come back. He was writing the path, or I think he was writing the path. Anyway. Yeah, even-minded and cheerful. That's how Krishna Babaji was, is. That's how Master is. And that's how all of us are, potentially. You're going to see, as you traverse the path, as you meditate regularly and faithfully, as you practice meditation, you're going to see that you, the, the veil of ego is thinner and thinner. And finally, it's gone. And what's left? enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy, samadhi bliss. God bless you all. Lord, may we serve you all our days, ever rejoice to sing your praise, as we together your wisdom seek, charge us with truth whenever we When our hearts are still As we your guidance with joy receive May we as one your bliss achieve As we your guidance with joy receive May we as one your bliss achieve